I just remembered I told somebody I'd record it, so you're getting the late start there recording people, sorry. Um, make disciples of all nations, how? Baptizing them into his name, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and what? Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So he, he joins together this wonderful gift of teaching his word, teaching all the things that he has taught the disciples. He wants, he wants people baptized into his name, which are going to unfold what the significance of that over the next few weeks. Baptized into his name and, and hearing his word, learn, being taught his word. And that makes one a disciple. So if I were to ask you to name some disciples, you might say, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, name off some Paul, name off some people from the Bible there, some of the 12 apostles and so forth. But then you can also name yourself as those who have been baptized into the Lord's name and are learning his word. We are all his disciples. And that's this lifelong, ongoing life of the Christian, of the catechumen, of catechesis, is this continual learning, hearing God's word. And with that, prom, with that, he gives this astounding promise, his presence. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. So he's baptized unto us into his name. We're, we're learning his word and he's joined his presence with us. So he's with us now as we're learning his word. He's also with us everywhere we go as those who bear his name. And I'll talk about that here in a second. So as our catechumens who are, who are learning the Lord's word and hearing it again and again, you get a catechism. So if you don't have one of these, so I know we got some, some Lutherans in the crowd here. This is a, uh, the, a new translation of, the, of Luther's small catechism. Who has, who has a royal blue one? That's like the 80s version. <laughs> who has a maroon one? You guys are wells. What are they using? The, what are they using the wells? It's, light blue. it's really light blue. Ancient? So that really light blue one, it's the same idea. So let me, let me just, I'll have our, our college student pass these out because they're heavy. Uh, they're, they're in your own shrink wrap. So that's how you know they're nice and clean. So you're encouraged to use these and I'll, I'll explain kind of the, the, the layout of Luther's small cate, notice the, the word catechism, catechesis, catechumen, it's all the same idea. The catechism is a, is a long-standing idea within the Christian tradition. From the earliest centuries, a catechism has always been used. All the catechism is, is the basics of the faith that people are to learn and repeat again and again and again. So there's um, the Didache, which is one of the earliest, the earliest catechisms that we have in the early church. This has really basic teachings of the Christian faith, which would be things like the Lord's Prayer, the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, which came a little bit later, a some 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 concept of a creed, which will unfold what that means later. The basics of the faith is really the, the, what we're trying to teach. Luther's small catechism is um, the, the, the Lutheran basics. And many of you, if you came out of Lutheranism already, and many of you have been kind of sniffing around Lutheranism thus far, you've probably at least heard of it, I hope. You've probably sniffed around it. It's only the first 32 pages of this, of that book in the, in the shrink wrap. And that's like, if you're, if you're if you're familiar with the catechism language, what is the first commandment? We should fear, we should have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. All the what does this mean stuff, that's the catechism. It's taking the basics of the faith, the Ten Commandments, the Creed, the Lord's Prayer, 
These are all these common things and then unfolding what they mean in the same way like, and I'm learning this more and more because I have children six, four, and one. They're always asking, why? <laughs> Never ends. It's like annoying. Well, that's the idea of the catechism. It's the, it's the why. Why are we doing this? What is this that we're doing? So uh, that's, how, that's how the catechism is structured in the first 30 pages. And then the rest of the book, the back, whatever, 300 pages or whatever, is kind of slowly applying and unfolding those basic ideas for our context today. And so that's really the book that that are like our seventh and eighth grade classes use when they're, when they're slowing down and chewing on the catechism. It's kind of a good place for you to run uh, for quick answers on when your kid says, what? so what do we believe about angels? Is it true that every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings? And is grandma an angel since she's in heaven? Like there's all this confusion, confusion on angelology, angelology. Uh, and various, various subjects like that. Where, so how are we supposed to think about such things? Where's the scripture that I could run to for particular topics? And that's it. So the, the catechism kind of, it's always driving us to the scriptures. Uh, and the catechism itself, we, so it's Luther's small catechism. And here we are in the Lutheran church. And Lutherans are like one of the, one of the biggest churches to say, we're all about God's word. God's word alone, we're saved by scripture alone. It's all about Jesus, all about what Jesus wanted us to do. And right away we call ourselves Lutherans after a, some German dude from the, from the 16th century, you know? Are we following, are we, do we worship some guy? Or are we following the teachings of some man? Or are we so bound up with this book? Well, uh, it's, if you, if you, when you read the catechism, the first 30 pages, which I encourage you to do over the next 10 weeks or so that we have our class, what you'll find is you, you very likely already believe everything that's in there. It's stuff like, uh, you shall not steal. Well, what does this mean? What does it mean to not steal? Well, obviously don't take somebody's stuff. But not only don't take their stuff, but you should also be helping them to take care of their stuff. So I'm breaking the seventh commandment, not only when I'm taking somebody's stuff, but when I'm not helping people who need stuff. So the law is always, always striking at me in some way. It's always, it's always condemning me. It's always chasing me to Jesus. But that's the point. It gets, some good, it gets some good conversation going on what's the Ten Commandments. What is baptism? Why, what, what makes a baptism? What makes a baptism valid or efficacious? What makes it work? What, makes it, what are the formula of it? Um, where does it say that in the Bible? Those are the basics of the, of the catechism, as you'll see. And then all the application in the back, like, um, unfolding some differences of, of, of belief regarding infant baptism and why are there differences of belief on that? That's all, that's all in the back. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, so now we've got a brief introduction there and you've got a couple other handouts on your lap. Um, but first I should pause before I forget. There's so few of us that I think it's, it's healthy to do some, some way of introduction. I never remember to do these things. So I'm Pastor Clemmer. Hopefully you've figured that out already. You're in the right place. Uh, I, grew up, I grew up in the Southern Baptist world in, in Mississippi as a quasi-Lutheran to a, a and, uh, my mom was Southern Baptist, still is technically Southern Baptist, and my dad is a Lutheran whose dad, his dad planted the church in Jackson, Mississippi. And uh, for all, all 12 Lutherans who live in Mississippi. <laughs> and um, I kind of grew up Baptist, Baptist-y. 
because uh, I mean, really in the South, if you're familiar with the South, everybody's kind of, my dad calls it Babto Metho Presbyterianism. It's like this hybrid of all the, all these different denominations. And I went to a, a um, I went to a private high school only because I was, I've been this big since I was in eighth grade. So I was, I was in a lot of sports and I was getting robbed quite regularly in these sports for various reasons. So my parents pulled me out and put me in a, a private school. And I look back on that now as a parent, we make money and you spend money on things. And like, my parents put me in a private school. We didn't have a lot of money. So I call them up. Thanks mom and dad for making these sacrifices for me. I, didn't re- I appreciated the time, but right away in, uh, in this, in this, it was a non-denominational. So in the South, that means Baptisty. Um, high school. I'm sitting in this chapel and these, these week after week with da- the weekly or daily chapels we had to endure, I noticed a few things. One, the worship was very, very different than what I was familiar with. We had a v- quite liturgical congregation, very similar to what we have at Bethany. As far as the manner in which we worship, I was used to a certain order, a certain type of hymnody. And this church body, these are all great Christian people. They all believe the same thing. They all believe in Jesus. They believe the Bible. They're holding up the Bible high, and yet they're worshiping very, very different than me. And then I was, I was okay with that. I didn't care, whatever. In fact, I was like, there's a lot, of, a lot of dateable girls who are hardcore Christians too. So I was going to their youth groups, you know, <laughs> going to church with some of, these, some, of these, uh, some of my classmates and getting to know their beliefs. But it wasn't until I started telling me uh, that I needed to make a decision for Jesus so pray this prayer and, um, and then, then you'll go to heaven. If you don't pray this prayer and you were to die on the way home today, then you'll go to hell. And here's what hell is like, unfolding this. And I'm like 16 thinking, the, ma- the main thing I was thinking was, if it's true that I have to pray some prayer so that I go to heaven, why didn't my pastor tell me about that prayer, right? Ah, so I, I stop on the way home at my church and he's, Pastor Sawyer is always there. Pastor Sawyer, so at school they told me this thing. Um, why didn't you share this little important piece of information about eternal salvation with me? And so that, that sparked my interest. All of a sudden I started realizing there is a difference between church bodies. Not to say anybody, that, that someone's going to hell because they're not Lutheran or something like that. But the point is, we have different views of the scriptures and there's a reason behind that. And it does make a difference because I started noticing all of my, my teammates and basketball team, I can remember them like, I remember this one guy, Ryan, it's like, we, like noticeably weeping because the, after, it was after chapel and um, he, was, he was wrapped up in a particular temptation <laughs> as uh, most maybe 16, 17 year old boys might get wrapped up into. And, um, and he just felt like because of his sin and his tendency to repeat that sin, he was going to hell. And that was basically the sense of the sermon that day. But if you listen to sermon, you'd hear Jesus and you'd hear the Bible and you'd hear like a lot of things that we can maybe agree with. And yet the walkaway message was still putting the emphasis back on him to fix himself. And there was no forgiveness of sins. It was ultimately about fixing yourself. And um, so while a lot of the language was the same, the Bible was the same, I saw a lack of comfort and, and really a despair 
and my friend Ryan, and it wasn't just him, uh, many of my friends, my, my buddy Matthew, who's an atheist paleontologist to this day, who I have good conversations with, um, because he grew up in a hardcore legalistic church body, a God who he could not make happy, and a religion that was presented to him as, it was fluff. It was a religion that any thinking person should reject. We would call it Christianity. It was actually a Methodist church, um, a really wimpy Methodist church in the, in the South. And so when I asked him these questions about what, what his church was teaching, believing, it was something that I would reject. I would have walked away from that God as well. Um, and then my senior year, Michelle, uh, I remember her getting baptized at least 10 times, like after every other sermon. She was going to the bathroom and, and her friends were baptizing her in the girl's bathroom. And she'd come out all happy to tell me that she'd been baptized. Seth, I got baptized again. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Like, I, I'm so confused by that. Why would somebody be baptized again? How is that possible? Why would one be so confusing on, on, on these differences, right? So I just started reading and studying more and more. And, um, but then I decided I wanted to make money and not be a pastor. And my grandmother said, you should be a pastor. My pastor said, you should be a pastor. And I said, no. <laughs> so then I went to business school, uh, Mississippi College, which was founded by Bernie Ebers, a little guy who also started WorldCom. If, you're, if you remember that, one of the big famous Ponzi schemes of the late 90s. Um, so that was the college that he helped um, fund in Clinton, Mississippi for about a year. And all of my dorm mates were either my football teammates who all, all they cared about was less than pious things. And all of my other friends, all they, they're all Baptist pre-sim pre students. So who was I talking to all the time? The Baptist pre-sim students. And it just kept, it was like, it was, that's all I wanted to talk about. That's all, it's the only thing I wanted to really study. So I'm, I'm having to take statistics classes and business stuff and I'm bored out of my mind because all I want to do is go back and read more theology and debate, debate with my guys in the dorm. So then I, I went to Concordia, Nebraska, and, um, which is one of the, the Lutheran system of schools, and um, finished my, I was so far in the business degree by that point, I had to just finish it and picked up a minor in theology. And then by my senior year, I met my wife, Mandy, who is a, a majoring in education. We met in choir and then off to Fort Wayne Seminary. Actually, in between, I worked at a factory for six months. Tinico Automotive, we made mufflers for the, the Jake brakes on semis. Nothing makes you want to go back to school faster than working in a factory for six months. So, uh, but I paid for an engagement ring. Six months, but gone, just like that. Uh, <laughs> and then off to seminary and I married in 2008. I did a vicarage, which is a it's confusing because some churches call their pastors vicars, but the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, the vicar is a, an intern, a practice pastor in their third year of study, but you're placed in a, in a church as a, you're all, you're all but a pastor. So you wouldn't consecrate, you wouldn't do certain things, but you're preaching, you're, practicing, you're teaching. So I vicared in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and that was the first year Mandy and I were married. Finished, uh, finished some schooling, did an extra degree, and then my first parish was in Estes Park, Colorado, on top of a mountain, even though I was very clear that I would go anywhere the church would send me, except for where I don't like snow. Please don't send me where there's snow. I don't like cold weather. First call, top of a mountain in the Continental Divide. <sighs> uh, but it was a good, great experience. I couldn't, I couldn't have asked for a better church to start off my ministry. Four years there, and then um, 
they called me up here and asked me if I'd be a youth pastor to Bethany. So called me here to be youth pastor for really a couple years. And as, almost as soon as I was here, there's a transition of the former senior pastor out. But I got to see, got a taste of youth ministry and um, at, a, at a relatively large church with a school and then um, kind of been a part of Bethany now for going on eight years. So we've made a few adjustments to the new member process over the years, which I'll come back to in a bit. But just for a quick second here, we're already at 720. Um, maybe just throw out your name and a little bit of your uh, your uh, background, a little bit of your story. So I'm Mike, uh, I just graduated college. I grew up uh, in, or at uh, Good Shepherd, a Lutheran church, so right down the road. I wasn't, wasn't a huge fan of it really, uh, so that's why I started coming here last year. I'm uh, a huge fan of contemporary music, like contemporary uh, worship music, so that led me here out uh, last year, and once I just stepped foot in this church, and I kind of really bought into it. Uh, it's Nate Groff, my wife Rachel Groff, we've been married for 10 years. Um, we uh, used to belong to Good Shepherd uh, Wells Congregation in Downers Grove. Um, I'm from Michigan originally and grew up Lutheran. Um, my mom was actually a Lutheran school teacher um, when she met my dad and stayed at home to raise, raise us. Um, Rachel has a little more of the new story. Uh, well, we've been married 10 years. Had a hand on all of our children <laughs> in the last couple of years, but um, yeah, I was raised. I grew up in Hinsdale, not far from here, and I was raised Catholic. Um, you know, wasn't you know went on the holidays and every so often on Sundays, but when I went to college, fell away from that. And I came back to Jesus in my mid twenties, going to a um, Christian church, non-denominational church in the city. And then I met Nate, and he was very well Lutheran. And was like, we're going to be well Lutheran. And I was just like, you just love God, so I love that. So we'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually, um, when I went to the Wells Lutheran Church, I felt like some of the traditions that were similar to my upbringing in the Catholic Church, I kind of uh, I found myself enjoying that and appreciating that more than I ever did before. And it also felt like that the non-denominational 
actual churches, I'm just like, oh, like, we're kind of missing some of that tradition that just brings you together in a different way, you know. Um, and then, anyways, we were at Good Shepherd, and we started sending our oldest kindergarten there, and it um, didn't work out, so we switched to Bethany um, halfway through her kindergarten year, and that was two and a half years ago now. All right, swing it to the back. Uh, my name is Matthew Moses. My wife, Jennifer Moses, has been married for five years. Uh, I was, uh, Jennifer was raised in New Jersey, and I was, uh, my mom is Serbian Orthodox. My dad is Lutheran, and was baptized Serbian Orthodox, but we always went to both as kids. Uh, went to a Lutheran school in Aurora, Manuel Lutheran, which is where I'm transferring over from. Church. It's a very small congregation, and my dad, who's uh, becoming a new member as well, but pastor grandfather came in. So he, <laughs> he, could, he couldn't drive at night, and he's really old, so I was like, all right. <laughs> he, he lords over the fact that he already has his envelopes on Sundays. So. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, we're, we're, we live very close here in Naperville, and um, the 11 o'clock service is, is a lot easier for my dad to think it's a church. Um, and so we're coming here since October of last year, and very excited to join. My wife's joined with me, so we're very happy to be here. All right. Lee. Okay, my name is Lee. Uh, I, my, my father was a Presbyterian minister, so I grew up in that, in that faith. And, uh, when I got married, She passed away about 10 years ago. Anyway, so long story short, I've, been, I've moved around a lot. I moved here from Atlanta, Georgia six years ago, and I've been going to St. John's Episcopal Church, which is over, right across from uh, Naperville Central, which is part of that. Over the last 49 years, lots has changed, especially in the Episcopal Church. And uh, recently, it just I consider myself a tolerant person, but uh, things go beyond my understanding and tolerance and willing to continue that. So uh, I found Bethany about a year ago, and I've come here occasionally since then, but uh, I'm, I'm hoping this will be my future home. Helping Lee, we're going to walk, we're we addressing the um, how, how a church body I mean, really, with all of you, um, coming from different backgrounds, obviously there's so there's there's a simple there's a simpleness to it. Like, okay, there's a book, there's stuff in the book. Like, how are we so different? How are there so many different manifestations of this, and why? And we'll and we'll get to that, especially the way that it's the stuff that you've addressed to me, the the frustrations um, within the Episcopalian Church, the quick the, the the sprint to the left that would be consistent with our entire culture, frankly. Um, why that is and why that's and yet why is why is it not happening in all the churches we'll we'll come to that in in, in future weeks good thanks john i'm john um grew up catholic my wife and i both grew up catholic i'm, I'm a k through eight she's a k through 12 and you would figure we were 
get married, Catholic. And we didn't. We got married Lutheran. <laughs> and uh, long story behind that. But I grew up uh, one of my best friends when we grew up. I stayed at his house. We'd go to the Lutheran church. If he stayed at my house, we'd go to Catholic church. So I got exposure at a young age. So um, we were kind of comfortable with the, our marriage being uh, done, done there. Um, what brought me here about a year ago, similar. Reformation in my own mind, what was going on in the Catholic Church during the pandemic. I just really got became very disconnected um, with, the, with the practice that they had at that time um, and um, started watching a little bit more, um, especially in the early parts of COVID when we were kind of isolated. Um, found worship in it. I've never seen worship in this uh, LCMS uh, based. Half hour program like Sunday morning, and they said if you need a local uh, parish in your community or church in your community, we can put you in contact. So I got put in contact with uh, the I forgot about that. That's a resource that I always forget about. You say it was the Worship Anew? Worship Anew. Yeah, it used to be called, <laughs> used to be called Worship for Shut Ins, which it's a great marketing term for shut-ins, but not really good beyond that, right? So they changed the name to Worship Anew, and uh, one of my buddies runs that, runs that thing. It's, it's like national thing, and it's, it's very well known, but we should probably promote that. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, you can check. Like, oh, Pastor, Pastor Clemmer used to take some notes from this other guy. In fact, I should, that'd be a great, that's a faster way to write my sermon, just listen to that guy. <laughs> Beth. Beth, I am a lifelong Lutheran. My dad was a pastor, and it's been a long time since I've been through catechism, and I thought it would be good to have a refresher. And I'm also an assistant to Pastor Bob. Slash office administrator, <laughs> slash answer, uh, keeping, keeps all the pastors. If it wasn't for Beth, we would like, uh, nothing would happen around here. Uh, <laughs> So we're thankful for all that Beth brings. Last year, Beth actually babysat the kids. Like from the, for the group, we had a, a couple different groups who had younger children, and we needed a babysitter. And the babysitters that year, the, the ones we picked last year, were, were, weren't always consistently reliable. <laughs> hey, can you be here tonight? Oh, no, I got a test. What, you, you committed to this thing. <laughs> so Beth jumped in. And so this year she's, a, she's joining us as a student and also helping me remember all the things I'm supposed to remind. This would be much more efficient this year to actually tell me what I'm supposed to be saying while they're here. Um, so a couple of, uh, by way of more broader introduction for tonight, as I mentioned to most of you, or like all of you individually, the goal of this, of this class is multifaceted. Some of you are coming from Lutheran churches um, and there are some others who aren't able to be here tonight um, and some who just didn't come tonight because, um, or didn't, don't want to go through the class because they're lifelong, uh, lifelong Lutherans and I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this. Don't, you can't make me do it. I'm okay. I'm not going to make you do anything, man. Just, the idea is, and I've seen it here at this, at this particular congregation for long enough to finally put my foot down in the last few years and make a significant change that I hope will improve the culture for Bethany in the long run. And here's the shift. Uh, it used to be that on Sunday mornings, uh, during Sunday school hour, 
the kit is free childcare to have Sunday school and the kids would get dropped off. And we had, um, I mean, not just people with kids, but anybody wanting to go through the new member class would, would jump into the new member class, which we marketed kind of as a, if you're interested in learning more about what we believe, come to this class. But also if you want to join the class, come to the class. So you had kind of two different kinds of people there. Some people were just like broadly, remotely interested who'd show up. Uh, the class ran for approximately 10 weeks, lasted about 50 minutes. And if, you're, if, you're, if you've been around long enough to hear me teach, you see I'm, I'm always late to the Bible study and then makes me late to church and everything's always <laughs> dragging behind. But you only get about 15 minutes of teaching and then with questions and then people getting their kids. And we only had like 40 minutes. Most of the class would miss probably half the classes. And then they would be members of the class. We barely got to cover anything. We also never developed any sense of community among the, among the new members. And since it was during Bible study class, they weren't actually coming to Bible class, and most of them never actually came into this room. They would just go down, walk in the door, down the hall to the class, and it was done, pick up the kids, go away. And then why are we surprised that when the class ended and they joined the church, they never actually came to anything? You might ask, well, why would someone join the church if you're not going to actually come to it? We offered like a sizable discount in the school. So there was an, a financial incentive to, to join, which unfortunately for those of you who actually come to church, <laughs> we did away with uh, two years ago. Uh, about two years ago, we, we, um, we killed that. And that's been quite helpful because it changed. Well, I think most importantly, what ha- put, put, let's play a game. We'll play this game throughout the year. You be me. Put yourself in my shoes. I got a list of people who aren't coming to church, but they, they're getting a $5,000, whatever it is, how many kids they have, $5,000 a year financial benefit by saying that they're a member. Now I'm having to make a rule about how often you're supposed to come to church. I might as well put a sign on my back that says I'm a Pharisee. I'm, I'm, a, I'm literally paying people to come to church, right? Uh, Beth, a small oversight of mine was that I didn't turn your lights on. Could you turn a light on? I'm losing my ability to see people. Um, so, and it's a, it's a terrible dynamic of then having to call people. Like, I, all I care about is your souls. Like, you should be, in, you need to be here receiving the Lord's gifts. It's good. It's, and if there's issues that we need to work through, let's work through them. But yet, somebody's having to make these phone calls on. So you, you signed a piece of paper that said you'd come to church. You're getting a financial discount. You're not doing, so here, it's a, it's a confused conversation for me to be having. So uh, it, it clears up a lot and it ends up with, we end up with a, with a class, for lack of a better word, of people who are, are here cl- clearly for the right reason because you have no incentives for being here except for eternal ones. I, I just, I'm, I'm interested in the Lord and his gifts and I want to learn more about it. And the more that I sniff around this Lutheran church, the more I seem to agree with what's being taught there. Um, which gets to what my goal is in this class. Um, I mentioned multifaceted. One, we are a big congregation. So uh, relatively big. I mean, for the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, we're massive. Within Christendom, we're tiny, uh, depending on, like, compare us to Willow Creek. Thank you, Beth. Um, or St. Peter, even St. Peter and Paul here in Naperville, even Good Shepherd, you know, we're, we're, we're uh, by comparison, quite small. But compared to like Emmanuel Aurora, we're, we're pretty large. We're large enough 
that you can fall through the cracks if you want to. And we're large, we're large enough that you don't have to get to know anybody. You can just be in and, and gone. But there's something to being a part of a church community. It actually is a, a community. And if you think about it like a family, it's helpful because even if you don't particularly like Aunt Susie, uh, you care about Aunt Susie. Um, you, she's there at Thanksgiving. You want to help Aunt Susie if she gets cancer. You pray for her. Uh, you, you, you rejoice with her when good things happen. She, she comes to your kids' birthday parties and all that. It's family. That's what families do. You're part of a community here. And so we can support, support one another, rejoice with one another. But this is a small way. If you look around, there's only nine of you, I think, here tonight. You, these, these, are, these can be familiar faces to you, and you can maybe learn the names of these, pe- these few people over the course of this. And you see each other in church now. And, oh, okay, 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 I see some of these folks. And I strongly encourage you to come to Bible study on, on Sunday. Uh, that's why I put this on Tuesday or Wednesday night or Thursday night, whatever day it is. <laughs> Thursday night, so to free you up to actually come on Sunday, uh, come to church, come to Bible class, get involved in that. Because really in the, in the Bible class, we're, it's this ongoing conversation. I'm not able to cover everything tonight, so don't have that expectation over, over the next 14 weeks or whatever it is, um, where we're just gonna kind of fly over, cover the basics, get a, be pretty clear about what we're about so you kind of know what you're getting into. I can point you in some right directions in the catechism and then encourage you to continue learning the faith as disciples should, right? In the life of the disciple. So coming to church, receiving the Lord's gifts, rejoicing in the, the gospel, and, and hearing the Lord's word. Um, so the making a big church feel like a small church by plugging in to the community somewhere, in some way, come to Bible class and get to know somebody at the table. Uh, at, later on, get involved in something, something minor. So you get to know people. So like jumping into VBS, for example, um, you get to know those other ladies um, quite well because you're working with them for, and that, with that comes, so it won't, it won't surprise you I say this, there are sinners in this church. And uh, sometimes we sin and that makes people upset. But there are also Christians here and Christians like to forgive when wrong is done. And so that's how we're gonna do this. And I, I, I expect the same from you and I'll give you the same. So. We are sinners. The Lord calls to himself only one kind of person, sinners. Um, And what makes us different as Christians is not that we're not sinners. It's that when we sin, we know where to run and we know what to say to people who sin against us. I forgive you. We forgive, right? And we are forgiven by our Lord. That's what sets us apart. So, uh, so when we, when you deal with people in a church, if I had a, if I had a dime for everybody who like left a church because there was some kind of a fight or somebody was mean to them or something, it's like, that's what's always going to happen because that's what sinners do. We, we hurt each other. In fact, I'll go off on this when we get to the eighth commandment, but like, it's easier. I, and I did this today. I put my foot in my mouth at least twice, maybe three times. When I was trying to talk to the kids or the parents, I, I, what I could have, that was a good example. I was in the kindergarten class. What's that girl's name? Ellie. I walked in there because I was going to try to make a better effort to get to know the kids. It's nice that their faces are actually showing this year so you can actually see their smiles. And uh, I was like reading them a book and joking around with the kids. And, and, I, and, I, and I said, let's play a game. Like, what letter is this? And I flipped the book around. 
It was, like, it was a V, and the, and the girl said, you. I said, eh, and she started crying. <laughs> I could have, here's my point. I, had, I dug my way out of that hole and then ran out of there as quick as I could. Um, and then waited for her mom to call me, and she hasn't, so I'm good. Um, I could have just not gone in there. But by not engaging, I also couldn't show love and build a relationship. So the Lord is actually calling us to engage with one another, to speak with one another, to love and serve and, and care for one another. And we can't do that by cutting ourselves off. So we have to engage. And when we engage, what do we do? We risk hurting people. That's why we apologize and we forgive because that's what Jesus has done for us. All right, so, uh, so big church, small church, that's one big thing with this, but even bigger is teaching the basics of what we believe. So when, when you commune at this altar, um, and some of you are communing already, I've kind of had private conversations with you. When you commune at an altar, you're saying you believe what the church teaches. Um, that itself might be something you don't agree with. What, so it's like, okay, uh, if, if I think that for me to be welcoming in your home or for me to be kind to you in your home, I go to your house in the middle of your family's dinner, I take off my shoes, I kick up my stinky socks and put them on your table and I knock your kid's food on the floor. That's how I am respectful to other people's families. And you're like, uh, that's nice, Pastor Clemmer and all, but this is my house. That's not how we show respect here. Well, the analogy there is obvious. Like this is, this is what, we are, what we're confessing, what we're believing as a church. And this is obviously drawn from 1 Corinthians 10 in the scriptures. We, the, the altar where you eat, the altar where you, where you commune is the altar where you believe. So here, um, when you're communing at this altar, I'll probably draw this picture a few times over the year, or my, my makeshift altar. S communing around this altar, are a variety of different people who you may or may not like, <laughs> even in your own family, sometimes, I guess. Um, but we have, we have this unity with one another, not because we like each other a ton, but because we're believing that we're receiving the same thing from the Lord Jesus and from the pulpit, right? We're, we're believe so because we're receiving the same thing from Jesus and we believe the same thing about what's being preached here, that's what unites us with one another. So our fellowship, our unity with one another is because we believe the same thing about Jesus and his word. Interestingly enough, especially these days as things are getting crazier, we also then have like a very, 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 very similar worldview because we believe there's such thing as truth. We believe in a right and a wrong, a good and an evil, a spiritual realm, God, devil. Those things are becoming increasingly rejected by our world, which draws us tighter together. So while we have a lot that we don't have in common, the main things, the most important things, the eternal things we actually do have in common. Um, so with that, in, uh, on your schedule there that Beth passed out, there is a, uh, it's got the basic outline of what I wanna follow. This is mostly just a guide for me to remind myself what I'm planning on talking about every, every week. Um, this is available for you on the, on the church website under the new member tab. So you can get it in a font that you can actually see. Um, but the, the far right column, the liturgical connection, that's to remind me 
of another problem that we had whenever, whenever people were coming in and just to the, to the class and then bailing, we never actually had them worshiping here. And even if they did, we never actually, we realized we never had an opportunity to talk about why we do what we do in this room. Why do we worship differently than, than as Mike said, like we, we, our hymns are a little bit different. A lot of it's gonna be familiar, like the Episcopalian faith is gonna follow a lot of the same as the Book of Common Prayer. It's very, very similar to the liturgy. The Roman Catholic Church, obviously very, very similar in the liturgy. A lot of similarities, and yet there's some differences as well, uh, especially we're on the liturgical side of things within the spectrum of the Missouri Synod. Why do we do certain things that we do? What are the things that, we're, that we actually are pretty rigorous about saying that thus saith the Lord, this is important that we do, and other things are within the realm of freedom making the sign of the cross is a key example. Jesus never obviously said to do that. So why do we do it, right? Talk about that kind of thing. We have processional crosses to remind ourselves why we're here. We make the sign of the cross to remind ourselves of our baptisms. If you don't do those things, that's totally cool. But it's important that we just talk through why we do these things and, 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 and that they are in the realm of freedom, but ultimately um, we're trying to surround ourselves with helpful things. Uh, even the structure of this room, we'll talk about why the room is structured the way it is. So I'll try to, we're gonna, we're gonna draw our order of this, mostly from the catechism, if you're familiar with the Lutheran lingo of the six chief parts of the catechism, is we're gonna follow that loosely. Um, but really, I'm gonna let the liturgy itself drive us. So we start with the invocation in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Why? Why would we start that way? What's the point? Uh, why is it called the invocation? That's gonna be our jumping off point for next week as we unfold baptism. But I think with, with, uh, with the time that we have left, I want you to grab your Bible and flip back to the mysterious middle part of the sandwich that I directed you to earlier in the 300s. And the hymnal, sorry, did I say Bible? So you're supposed to read my mind, so stop. The hymnal, page 272. It's one of those pastoral things that I learned. You, you, teach the, you teach these people the faith in these new member classes. Like, here's what we're about, here's what we believe. And then they come to join your church. Well, there's a rite, R-I-T-E, uh, as far as the formal process of joining, this, this ceremonial aspect of joining a congregation um, that, we, that we try to follow here, that I was like, I realized, it dawned on me like two years ago, they don't actually see this thing until the Sunday that they're standing up here to join. So I'm asking you things in this right. Do you believe these things? Half of these words you probably don't understand. And you're standing up here in front of everybody else. You're like, well, I, I mean, this far along, I went to a class for 14 weeks. I better just say I do. But also if I don't say I do, no one's gonna know because your back is to the congregation. I can't look at you all at once. So you could just skip along. So my point is today with our remainder of time, I want to actually look at this rite of confirmation and what, what a person says when they join a church. So confirmation, again, often associated with eighth graders, uh, uh, unfortunately in our, in our Missouri Synod, which we'll talk about the differences in Lutherans and so forth later. But confirmation is, has been un, unfortunately associated with First Communion. So I go through a couple years of learning and then I receive the Lord's Supper as a, as a reward, a treat, 
for, for enduring two rigorous years of, of learning as a seventh and eighth grader. And then after eighth grade and receiving the Lord's Supper, I graduate elementary school and I graduate from church or Sunday school or, or any kind of like formal attendance in church or Sunday school. And then you just kind of bail. So there is a, there is a, a healthier, more historic approach to confirmation that's the idea of confirmation is is you a person standing in front of the church and saying this especially from the kids perspective this isn't just my mom and dad's church this is mine this isn't just my mom and dad's faith it's mine that's just not mom and dad's pastor he's mine so make I make it my own um, communion is something a little bit different so we're saying as I mentioned here you're saying you believe what we what we teach when you're, in fellow, when you're in communion fellowship with us, with us. But for the kids, it's kind of, we approach it a little bit differently, especially so like your kids growing up in your own home, you are raising them in this faith. You're teaching them ongoing what we believe and what they're in fellowship with here. The main thing for the kids is what's up there on that altar and is it good or is it bad? And why is it good? So when you tell a little kid, it's just a cracker and some juice, that happens to be like 18% alcohol. <laughs> uh, so they're going to want it just because, I mean, every little kid who comes up there is like, every dad is, mom is trying to like keep their kids' hands out of it. There's some, some kid lately, I can't remember who it is. They're always in the same place. It's always trying to grab it. I kind of want to just, <laughs> uh, but when the kid actually gets old enough, he starts, this starts happening around first grade. So it's, it is Jesus' body and blood. And why is it? Is it for the forgiveness of sins? Okay, sin is bad. That's the fact that I do bad stuff and that they're kind of still wrestling with death and real evil. They're still wrapping their minds around. But you got these kids who are saying, I believe in Jesus. I know that he loves me. They have no doubts. This is the faith of a child that Jesus calls us to have. And they're saying, well, I want, I want that. Not because it's a cracker and juice and I like snack time, but because you said it's important. It's obviously important to everybody because everyone's kneeling up there. Jesus says it does something really, really good to me. And I want that for my Lord. How do I say no to that? Do you, who receive the, maybe receiving the Lord's Supper now, do you actually understand it better than the kids? Do you have a more academic or some kind of like mystical understanding of how the Lord gets this thing done better than they do? Or are you in fact maybe conflicted with more doubt than they are? And yet we withhold communion from the children until they're at like the most rebellious age of their life and then expect them to stick around. What are we doing? So we're trying to figure out, a, <laughs> there's gotta be a way to start disconnecting the two I mean, not start, that's actually, this is like, our, our Missouri Synod Americanized practice is like 60 years old. I'm not, the Catholics have been doing first communion forever. Um, but the, part of the reason why we've maybe combined the two is we realize, well, if we don't have some kind of carrot at the end of the stick, you're not gonna get these kids to come to class. You can't give them to memorize anything without some kind of like a whip or a carrot, right? Those are the two options. So I can say, you're not gonna have the Lord's Supper if you don't come to class and memorize this stuff. Well, what happens to the kid who's, I mean, so for, for those of you who had, like, had gung-ho parents who said, you're not gonna go outside and play, or like mine, my, my mom, my first date, Christy McCormick, she's 
uh, I was all excited. And somehow, foolishly, what God had brought up in the conversation that day was like Psalm 23. And I think it's because of Weird Al Yankovic's Amish Paradise. <laughs> and like something about the valley, as I walk through the valley where I harvest my grain, which is a spin on the, oh, like, uh, forget the rapper, L.O. Cool J, or whoever it was. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, which is a turn on Psalm 23. And I brought up Psalm 23, and my mom said, don't you know Psalm 23? And I said, I laughed, no, I'm like 16. So she said, you can't go out on your date until you learn Psalm 23. <laughs> which became a quite enticing carrot. So now I miss remember, frantically memorizing Psalm 23 so I can go out on a date on Friday night. Uh, so that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing at the Lord's Supper. We've turned it from this wonderful gift to a, some kind of like a justification for studying a lot. And then we've, we make the faith academic, a bunch of data to memorize instead of this simplicity saying, this is Jesus. He's given me good. I am bad. I want that. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life learning it, right? Um, so, so confirmation, though, is more standing in front of the church and saying, I believe what the rest of you guys believe. You're not, don't worry. If you choose to join the church, you're not going to be looking this way. <laughs> That's my job. I get the, the nervous part. You'll have your back to the congregation. But here's what we'll say. Beloved in the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ said to his apostles, as I read a second ago, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So baptism and teaching go together and his divine presence. So he slaps his name onto some water and he says, put my name on people, teach them my word, and I'm going to be with you always. Remarkable gift. You have been baptized and catechized, taught. You've heard again and again in the Christian faith, according to our Lord's bidding. Jesus said, whoever confesses me before men, I will confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Lift up your hearts, therefore, to the God of all grace and joyfully give answer to what I now ask you in the name of the Lord. Do you this day in the presence of God and of this congregation acknowledge the gifts that God gave you in your baptism? You can't say yes if you don't know what those gifts are. So why would you join a church if you haven't talked about it? So next week, we're gonna unfold more of the gifts of, of the Lord's name and holy baptism, what he promises to do for us. So it's not just, it's not something that we do for him as the Baptists, for example, teach, but something he actually does to us. For example, uh, who, who, uh, who baptized you? Do you remember? Do, do you, who baptized you? My dad. So, Right, so you baptize you. Right? Uh, the answer would be Jesus. But how did he do it? You're like, 10, ten more minutes and we're out of here. Uh, how did he do it? Through means. In the same way that he changes, he changes my, my baby's diapers. It's his child that he's entrusted to me for a time to take care of. He's the one who feeds her through means. So God's doing these things through his through his chosen vessels. Do you renounce the devil? Yes, I renounce him. This is, where, this is the Godfather part one 
baptism part? Do you renounce the devil? Do you renounce all of his works? Do you renounce all of his ways? What are they? How do I know what the works of the devil are? What are the ways of the devil? Well, we're going to unfold the, the Ten Commandments. What, what, is, what is evil? What defines evil? And what defines good for us, according to our Lord's giving? Do you believe in God the Father Almighty? Yes, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. What do I do with evolutionism? How, do we, how are we going to think about a God, God who creates, God the Father who creates, and try to, try to reconcile that with what science purports to be evidential truth? So we're certainly going to talk about that when we get to the creed. So you're able to say, I actually believe that there is a God who made heaven and earth. At least that's what you're, when you commune with us, you're saying, this is what I believe about God. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord? Yes, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. This is all creed language. Who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. So he's born of a virgin, suffered under Pontius Pilate, which is an interesting, it's a weird thing. Uh, any of you guys in Theology on Tap last week? I was hoping no, no one would say that I was going to claim it as my own point, but this is uh, Dr. Francisco's point. That's right, the Pontius Pilate line. So you've got people who can attest to believe. They'll say, I, I can believe everything that Creed says about God except for under Pontius Pilate. Because under Pontius Pilate locks Jesus, locks our God into this world, this time. Unlike the Hindus, for example, where you've got this like, weird, or, or, or like the easy one for our perspective, probably the Greek and the Roman mythology. They never claim for that, for that folklore God, that myth, those myths to actually be real. It's always up in the weird heavens and nothing is ever, you can't actually go and find some kind of like archaeology that would point to the truth of Zeus. But this raises a whole new level of validity to the Christian faith under Pontius Pilate. It really happened. Uh, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. So the resurrection of Jesus, his ascension into heaven, and, his, and the final, a final judgment where the dead will rise and there'll be a final judgment. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Yes, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. So far, all you've said is the devil's bad, and I believe in God, like we've said in the creed every week. Do you hold all the prophetic and apostolic scriptures to be the inspired word of God? And you're thinking, what is prophetic and apostolic? And everybody else is starting to say, I do. So you have to say, I do. And then we're off and running. And we never actually talked about it. Well, let's talk about it. What is prophetic? So which would be what? What are the prophetic scriptures? Not someone, specifically, as far as the Word of God, it's the, for us, it's the prophets of the Old Testament. So it's the Old Testament. My critique of this right was, the, why doesn't it just say the Old and New Testament? Um, because the, it gives us a chance to talk about it now. The Old Testament's the prophets. So the prophets is simply God speaking through men and they speak only his word. So if you go back and read like Ezekiel, is a, one of the best examples, Ezekiel is, eating the scroll to visualize this, that the God is putting his word in Ezekiel's mouth. So that when he speaks to the valley of dry bones, 
the bones actually come up to life, not because Ezekiel is super duper cool, because God's word does what it says. Just as it said when, when, when the pastor says, I forgive you all of your sins, it's not my words, but God's words. My words do nothing. Jesus' words give life and forgive sins. See? Uh, anyway, uh, where was he? Was I okay, so prophetic and then apostolic then, the counterpart to the prophetic, the Old Testament would be the, the, the apostles, the New Testament. So uh, as we say in the creed, I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church, that is a church that teaches, that is in line with the teaching of the apostles, which is nothing other than the New Testament. To be the inspired word of God, that it's not man's work, not man's word, but ultimately God's. And because it's God's word, it is therefore inerrant and true and doesn't change, doesn't change with the whims of the day. And that's where we get into the issues like in the Episcopalian church and really every main line, including the Evangelical Lutheran Church, the Good Shepherd ELCA, um, where there's, if the Bible isn't the inspired inerrant word of God, then what's defining what is actually true? Well, it's what, what our culture today determines to be true. So that's a moving standard. It's the same way we, the, the, that our culture today is able to still have a sense of right and wrong but what determines right and wrong is not an objective source from God, but rather it's, it's, it's an objective sense of whatever gets the most votes. So if we can vote to legalize abortion, then it's okay, right? If, as soon as we make abortion illegal, then it's wrong. At least that's the law or public opinion. So even if the laws change, like in our situation today would be the laws might change on abortion, but it's still objectively right and good because culture says it's right and good. So there's this moving target of what is good and evil if you don't have a thus saith the Lord, right? So we're claiming a inspired word of God, this unchanging truth in a very tumultuous changing world, which makes us uh, enemy number one um, to the world. Do you confess the doctrine of the evangelical Lutheran church drawn from the scriptures as you have learned to know it from the small catechism to be faithful and true? So the doctrine, big word for teaching, that's all that means from teaching. Do you confess the teaching of the Evangelical Lutheran Church? So that's not the ELCA. So the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America would be the, the specific synodical name. So what this is saying is the Evangelical Lutheran Church, as it was originally founded, like after, it wasn't called Lutheran until after Luther died and it was given as a derogatory term. You Lutherans, that is you guys who worship what Luther is saying, so uh, the Lutherans weren't calling themselves that. They were actually like evangelicals because they're all about the gospel. Evangelical simply means gospel. So evangelical gospel, Lutheran church, drawn from the scriptures. So what we're saying is that the catechism isn't some man-made work. It's ultimately just the, it's drawn from the scriptures and, and distilled into the small catechism. So what I always say to the kids is like, if you take, um, well, if you're into bourbon, maybe it's a good example, or vodka or something, some it's the hard alcohols, you take the, 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 watered down, the watered down brew and you boil it and you distill out all the, the good stuff, right? So you're, you're left, you can cast out the, the leftover water and you've got, you're left with the distilled, the concentrated, super duper high gravity Everclear. <laughs> uh, so this is what the catechism is. So if someone asks you what you believe, you say, the Bible. Yeah, but that's kind of long. 
I'm talking, give me an elevator pitch here about what you believe, right? So how do you, how do you teach somebody the, the basic, the, the, the distilled version of the Bible? Well, that's what the catechism is after, trying to give you a quick, this is what I believe about God. So I believe about good and evil, right and wrong, how to talk to God and how God loves me. That's it. Uh, do you intend to hear the word of God and receive the Lord's Supper faithfully? Ah, oh, I don't know. It's my first time in the church. I, I haven't been coming this whole time. I guess I, you guys kind of worship funny. I didn't realize that because I hadn't been coming ever. <laughs> so that's why I'm like, why don't you come, come to church for a while and you know, try on the pants before you buy them, you know? Uh, so the, the idea is that you're going to keep hearing, the God, hearing God's word and receiving the Lord's Supper because they're actually good. That's what disciples do, and they're good for you. That's how the Lord delivers salvation into your ears. Do you intend to live according to the word of God and in faith, word, and deed to remain true to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, even to death? Does that mean you're going to be sinless? No. The word of God doesn't say that I'm sinless. In fact, the word of God actually accuses me all the more of being sinful. So the word of God is actually just exposing. It's like a mirror. It shows me what's already there. I'm a, I know I'm a sinner, but what makes me a Christian is that it's driving me to the font for the forgiveness of sins. It's driving me to the altar for the forgiveness of sins. It's driving me to God's word for the forgiveness of sins. So to be faithful to God's word is to strive against sin because ultimately it hurts you and it hurts everybody around you. So we fight against sin. And yet we recognize that when sin comes, we're receiving the forgiveness of sin. So that's the Christian life. Do you intend to continue steadfast in this confession in church and to suffer all, even death, rather than fall away from it? Oh, it's the first time I saw this. I'm standing up in front of church. My cousins are here for this. I don't know what to say. Well, no surprise. I won't catch you off guard in 14 weeks from now. When you're, when you, if you're brought into membership, you're saying that ultimately I'd, I'd rather die than, than fall away. So when it says church, capital C, by the way, this isn't like you're vowing today you can never leave Bethany because Pastor Clemmer like forgot to say something nice to you one day and you got mad at him, which I will do. By the way, I'm going to offend all of you and I ask you to forgive me in advance just as I will forgive you in advance for when you offend me. Let's make that little deal right now. But uh, so for you to ultimately, for whatever reason, say we're moving to Kansas or, or I just, I'm sick of Bethany or whatever, uh, I'm out of here. That's fine. You're not breaking your vow. The vow is Christianity, the Christian faith. I'd rather die than give up my faith because ultimately, if I die in the faith, I'm not dead. But if, I, if I'm not in the faith, I am dead even though I'm alive. So to lose the faith is to lose everything that really matters. So that's all you're confessing there. I do by the grace of God. So that's, the, that's our prayers that we'd that we'd, never, we'd remain true to God even unto death, suffer all and fall away from it. And then that's it. That's, that's basically all you're, all you're saying. And then we rejoice with thankful hearts that you have been baptized and have received the teaching of the Lord. You have confessed the faith, been absolved of your sins as you continue to hear the Lord's word and receive his blessed sacrament. He who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion of the day of Jesus Christ. And then you're just given a blessing, brought in a membership and a few prayers, bada bing, bada boom. Costco cake in the gym. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I mean, not to simplify, but, but that's ultimately, this is what people do. They get together, you gotta eat. It's fun to rejoice with one another over, over whatever, drink and food. But uh, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to at least expose you guys to this once and see what we're after is unfolding this, unfolding a little bit deeper of the 
who this God is, how he delivers his gifts to us, why he delivers his gifts to us, how bad is our condition. And that's where we're going to, we'll, we'll start with the, with the gift of holy baptism next week. And um, as things kind of come up, I don't, this is more fun for me if it's interactive, especially with all of you coming from different backgrounds, um, bringing questions. Dragu is famous for waiting until after the Bible study and then asking me like a two-hour question. I'm like, oh, am I supposed to ask me during class, Michael? So when you get those questions, don't hesitate to jump in and we'll go down whatever rabbit trail you want to go down because um, it's kind of fun because really you're not in eighth grade. You, you've lived life. You've, ex you've experienced a variety of different experiences, um, sufferings and joys. You've seen different church bodies. You know of a lot of different faithful Christians and unfaithful Christians and have had interesting uh, experiences in all of it. So uh, any questions that jump out at you, jump right in. Good? Good deal? Today I went over. It is 8.07, and I apologize. I try to keep this tight to an hour. I know some of you maybe don't care, but some of you who do, uh, I'll, try to, I'll try to be better by keeping it to an hour. So we get here on time. I'll start on time. I'll end on time, and then we'll, uh, we'll be out of here. So next week, same place, same time, Thursday, 7 o'clock in this room. And... Um, I mentioned to them that we got to get the stink under control in the youth room so we can start meeting in there. It's back again. Let's close, if you would stand, and we'll, clo we'll close with um, Luther's, Luther's evening prayer, which, oh, I said, that's the green sheet in front of you. Perfect. So this is our new devotional resource. We're, 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 Pastor Barton's is really big on putting this thing together. We're going to start, if you're, if you're a school family, you're going to get hammered by this thing. Um, our goal is to have our whole congregation praying at home, some kind of devotional resource. Everyone's, you might be doing something already and that's good, fine, excellent. But many people are not. And so we wanted to provide people with a very, very basic primitive resource to follow some sort of devotion. And so as you'll read the self-explanatory, you can read the paragraph at the top about how you can cater this to your own experience. At the very bottom, the daily Bible readings, this actually technically will start for this coming Sunday. Beth's gonna email it out in the week at a glance. If you're not getting the week at a glance yet, please subscribe to that on the church website or email Beth and uh, she'll get you subscribed to that. But these are all like linked. You can like click on one of these from your phone when you're stuck on the train or whatever, looking at you, trying to do devotions at home, juggling kids or whatever. Uh, you can click on that. It pulls up the reading. Some of those readings are more, are, are kind of long. So if you are juggling young children like me at home, uh, we'll just, we kind of do very, very primitive, very basic. Lord's Prayer, Luther's morning prayer, maybe. There's a Bible verse in there, a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of the catechism that you guys are gonna be learning here in the middle. It says memory work. I mean, what I, you really try to work on memorizing some stuff, but the idea is, remember cate catechism, kata echo, here again and again, just by reading this Bible verse every day, reading the Ten Commandments. The hymn is linked also to, to a YouTube, so you click on that link. He's even got it timestamped, so he immediately pulls up the hymn and you can sing it around your dinner table and you can teach your kids how to sing. Collect of the week, uh, the prayer of the church for all the people that are requesting prayers in the church. If you're interested in praying for, for anybody, we got a um, variety of different options for you to pray for. And then on the very back, and for those of you with children like me, this is where you're gonna focus most of your prayer time. Uh, Lord's Prayer and what, either morning or evening prayer according to when you pray it and then give a blessing. Let's pray together the evening prayer there in the middle of the, of the uh, handout there. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day. And I pray that you would forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong and graciously keep me this night 
For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. The almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bless and preserve you. Amen. All right, gang. Well, if you don't have a Bible at home, steal that one. Steal the one you've got. If you don't have a hymnal at home, feel free to steal that one too. We got more. Um, just let me know so we can stick a new one in its place. You got your catechism. Feel free to lose whatever you take with you. We have more handouts. That, this microscopic calendar there, you can pull it up online if you want it. And the week of, this devotion will be emailed to you as well. Thank you much. See you this weekend.